Good, good morning, church family, and welcome to 2021. It's good to have each and every one of church as we kick off, kick off a brand new year and with our families and in ministry. And uh, as we get started, started, I want to ask you a question. How many of you, you showed a little bit when you were kids and you had to go to the doctor, get a shot? Be honest, raise your hand. How many, how many of you on the other you're like, you're like, loved it, man. I'm looking forward to that. All right. It's one thing, thing to have to go and uh, have a doctor shot. It's an, it's an entirely different thing when you have to go get to a place where you're giving yourself shots. So about a month, month and a half, and a half or so, uh, I went to the doctor. I was feeling a little bit, bit off in some areas. And so they did some different blood te- tests and things. And, and uh, as they were, you know, revealing the tests and things that came out, the, the, just, you know, different hormones and things were off balance. And so they decided that, that because of the, uh, the adrenal fatigue that they said, said I had that I was, I was going to give myself shots about every other day for three months. And I've never done this before. I haven't, I haven't been a huge fan of shots at a point in my life, but, but uh, I remember the first time I had, I had to do it, they gave me this, 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 you know, the syringe of sorts, and I had to fill it up with, you know, whatever it is that's giving me, and I had to, you know, my stomach. And so I remember calling, calling the doctor up first time, and I said, I, said, I just want to make him doing this right, right. and uh, the nurse on the other line said, okay, just make sure you, you fill it up to the third line on the, on the syringe. So I filled that, filled that, this particular shot was actually a testosterone shot that I was taking, and so I filled this, this thing up, and I have this, it's kind of big, and I'm filling it up, and it's, it's not feeling quite right because it's big old like whole needle type thing, and, thing and I remember just shoving it in, uh, shoving my stomach, thing, thing. This does not feel right. Like I, this, I, this, this, this is a little bit cra- crazier, and so I'm, I'm injecting myself with this, and then I called him up the next time. I said, it just really hurt, like, like really bad. Are you sure I'm doing this right? They, they said, absolutely. So two, two days later, I'm doing this thing, this thing again. Finally, I, I called the doctor's office up again. I said, I, I really don't think I'm do, doing this correctly. And they said, well, send us a picture of the syringe you're using. Send them a picture, picture. And they said, oh. They said, somehow they sent you the wrong one. <laughs> what do you mean? I said, the ones you're supposed, supposed to have are really tiny, tiny. They're just these really small, small little syringes. And the third, third line would really just be like a few drops of this stuff. And, and so like a week, I'm injecting myself with like overdosing on testosterone. So my, my, my back, back is like a right now. I got, I got hair growing out. No, I'm just teasing. But it, it's one thing when, when you know, pain come, comes, it comes. And, and in, in 2020, the reality of a lot of, lot of us in different ways is experienced some painful uh, things. Uh, 2020 has given us a lot, a lot of problems to deal with, deal with. And as we embark on a brand new new year, what I want us to see, see today is though suffering is inevitable. If I were to take this entire sermon and, and sum it up into one state, state, it would simply be this. this. Uh, while suffering is inevitable, misery is optional. We're going to unpack this a little bit today from the book, the book of Job. If you want to take your Bible, your Bible, we're going to go to the book of Job, chapter number 1. We're going to start in verse number 1, move on through verse, verse number 12. And, and I want to ask you this question as you're turning there in your Bibles. Are you, are you able to go through, through difficult situations without becoming miserable? 2020 gave us a lot of different areas, and for some, for some of you, health. And other people who had struggle in their relationships, maybe in your marriage. Uh, some who may, maybe just struggled in, in just areas of uh, mental health and in, in loneliness. And, and 2020 gave us a whole lot of things that, that we could potentially become mis- miserable in. But as we're going to see today, it is possible to go through difficult, difficult situations, painful, painful situations, hard situations without 
becoming mis- miserable. As you turn there in your Bibles, uh, if you're a guest here with us today, we're so glad to have you. Thank you so much for coming, coming and visiting us today. Um, if you have a ch- chance at some point in the service, if, if you could pull out your smartphone and go to snowchurch.com slash connect. Uh, there's a, a form there that you can fill out. Can fill out. We'd love a record of your, of your attend, and uh, we'll even maybe send you some more, more information about church and some of, some of our upcoming events. So at, at any point in the service, if you'd feel free to do that. For the rest of us and those that are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand. We turn to the book of the book of Job, chapter number 1. We're going to read ver- verses number 1 down through, through verse number 12. Allow this to kind of be a springboard for our study where we're going to look at an overview of the life of, life of Job. We unpack this idea of how, how to suffer without becoming miserable. Here's what the Bible says in the book of Job, Job chapter 1, uh, verse 1. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He he feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000. It all went down on this block in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Back in 05, Jamel McGee says he was minding his own business when a police officer him of and arrested him for dealing drugs. You saying the officer made it up? Yeah, it was all made up. Of course, a lot of accused men make that claim, but not many arresting officers agree. Get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each each of them. Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God's hearts. This was Job's regular practice. One day when the members of the head courts came to print themselves before the Lord, the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where do you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been controlling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed? My servant, Job. He's the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. <laughs> Satan replied to the Lord, yes, but, but Job has good reasons to fear God. You've always put a wall of protection around him and his home, his property. You've made him to prosper everything he does. Look how rich he is. And says, but re- reach out and take away everything he has, and he will sure, surely curse you to your fa- face. All right, said the Lord, you, you may test him. Do whatever you want with whatever he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left towards present. You may be seated. seated. In chapter 1 and chapters number 2 of the book of Job, we find where Satan, because he gets permission to inflict uh, tragedy upon Job, he did everything he can to cause Job problems and pain and suffering. So in, in chapters 1, verses 16 and 17, you're, you're going to see Job lo- lose his business and all of his servants, his staff. In verses 18 and 19 of chapter uh, number 1, we're actually going to see where all of his children are killed. 
In chapters number two, verses seven and eight, his entire body is going to be covered with, with boils. Just a horrible disease as he's suffering physically. Verse number nine of chapter, chapter two, we're going to see where all of a sudden now his wife begins to, to discourage him. She literally looks him in the face and says, curse God and die. In chapters number, chapters number four, verse eight, we're going to see, see where his friends begin to, to judge him. They begin, begin to accuse him of, of being a bad person. So in these verses, as we see where Job suffers financially because of business, we see where Job suffers emotionally as, as his children are killed. We're going to see where, where he suffers physically because of these boils and the disease. We see where Job suffers with his relationship in his marriage. His wife is basically just kind of like, forget God, die. We see where he suffers reputationally because of his friends and, and accusing him of, of having a wrong testimony. And then we, then we come to Job chapter number 4, four and verse number 1, and we, we see this statement made. It, sa it says, how frail is humanity? How, sh how short is life? How full of trouble. From this passage, I want to speak on this subject this morning, this first Sunday, as we move past 20, as, as we into 2021, I want to speak on, on this subject, how to suffer without, without coming middle. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll dive, in, dive into Bible study here this morning. Shall we pray? Dear gracious and heavenly Father, we want to begin this brand new year coming before you, thanking you for everything. Thank Gracious and loving and merciful. Lord, we, we thank you for the fact that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, and I pray that we would never, never take for granted all that you are for us and everything you are through us. As we, as we have a brand new year, I, I pray, dear God, God, that you would allow the, allow the lessons that we learned in 2022 to us into the year 2021. Lord, I pr pray that you would just be, be upon each and every one of the folks here today. I pray as we, as we embark on this year, I pray, I pray that you with their health, health Lord, I, I pray for their businesses and I pray for their careers. Lord, I pray for the children and grandchildren. I pray that, that you would bless spiritually, emotionally, Lord. I pray that your hand would be upon them and that you would lead them every step of the way as, as we embark on a brand new new year. Lord, Lord, I pray that as we study this passage here this morning, that your word would, would allow us to see. Lord, how can it move through different seasons, but in a way that we don't become encouraged, Lord, that we don't break down, but Lord, in a way that, that we can really rise, rise and transcend so much of, of what the enemy tries to throw against us. We love you. We thank you for our time together. We, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're going to look at, look at two perspectives of spring that we're going to, we're going to see in this passage here today. It will help us to, us to navigate problems in a more healthy and productive way as, as we move out of 2020 and into 2021. I've told uh, the illustration before of a man by the name of Viktor Frankl. Uh, some of you have, have maybe read his book and Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, Viktor Frankl was the, was the doctor who spent time, time in Nazi, Nazi concentration camps for years. Uh, he was actually kind of helping the Jews escape the Nazi regime. And of course, when uh, Germans came along and found out what he was doing, they threw him into a concentration camp. 
in his book, his book, Man's Search, Search Meaning, he said, they stripped me naked. They took everything. He said, they literally even took my wedding ring, my watch. Wife, they could take my family, they could possessions. There was one thing they could not take away from me, and that was my, was my freedom to choose my attitude in, in any given situ- situation. I want you to see, to see how, no, uh, how Job chose to view his problems. In fact, the Bible is very clear how Job chooses his attitude. Verses number 20 and 21. The Bible, Job says, he says, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. That's what he says. Praise the name sin by blaming God. Job had a big view of God, changed how he chose to view his problem because his God was so big in comparison his problems were, were so small which leads us to our first thought this morning and that is this number one we have a choice about how we will view problems uh, just like Victor Frankl had a choice on how he was going, going to view the problems that, that he had when he enter, entered those German Nazi concentration camps. And just like Job had a choice on how he would view his problems as he navigated everything that the, that the enemy Satan threw against him, so we today have a choice on how we will view our problems. Your relational problems, you have a choice on how you will perceive that. You have a choice on how you navigate every difficulty in your life. Why? We have a choice about how we will view our problems. I sometimes like to say it this way. When you begin to change the way you look at things, the things you look at begin to change. And this is true. Job said, you know what? I'm not going to look at this, these problems and these issues I have the same way that maybe an unbeliever would look at it. He says, I'm going to choose to view my problems through heaven's lens. I'm going to choose to view these issues, to view these circumstances through God's heavenly perspective. Why? Because we have a choice about how we will view our problems. We have a choice. That's why Romans chapter number 12, verse number 2, it says it this way. It says, but be ye transformed. How do we get transformed? How do we change our circumstances? How do we change? Notice what it says. But transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, as you change your perspective, as you change your thinking, as you change the way you perceive what is going on, literally as you're changing your mind, you're also transformed. How are you transformed? By the renewing of your mind. Like Job, we get to choose the context through which we will see our problems. I'm telling you what, this is an incredible gift that we as human beings have the opportunity to employ. You get to choose how you will view what it is that you're going through. Job could have very easily had a perspective of, I don't deserve this. What's God doing? But he didn't choose that perspective. He said, you know what? The truth is this. When I came into this world, I had nothing. I had nothing. 
And he says, you know what, when I leave, I'm not going to have anything when I leave. He says this, you know what, the Lord gave me what I had. He gave me those riches. He gave me the relationship with that spouse. He gave me those children. He gave me my businesses. And if God gave me all of those things, that it is his right in his sovereignty then to take those things away if he so chooses. That was Job's perspective. He had a perspective that said, you know what, God is not wrong for taking away something that he gave to me in the first place. That was his perspective. That was his context. So I ask you this, what is the context that you are placing on the problem that you're going through today? That thing that is so big in your head, that thing that is so big in your mind, how are you interpreting it? There's always more than one way to interpret the circumstances, the situations, and the problems that we're going through. But you know what's very interesting? Human psychology is wired to have us see things in the most negative way possible. Have you noticed this yet? (laughs) Isn't it amazing how our default perspective is always the most negative perspective? Is this just me? You see, to have a heavenly perspective, to see this thing like Job saw his problem, that isn't natural. That doesn't happen on accident. We don't just accidentally trip into having a heavenly perspective on our problems. That just doesn't flow naturally from us. But the reality is this. Because we have the Holy Spirit... Because each of us as believers, those, who have pla- those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Christ, because we have the Holy Spirit within us, we can choose to see our problems differently. We can choose to perceive and to view our difficulties and our challenges through our heavenly lenses. So I'm asking you this question today. How are you choosing to view your problems? I want you to think of the, the, the worst thing you went through in 2020. The most difficult circumstance you faced. And I want to ask you this question. How are you viewing it? What context did you place upon it? And it is possible with the Holy Spirit inside of you to literally reframe the way you are viewing it. Just like Viktor Frankl said, you know what, they can take everything away from me. But the one thing they cannot take away is my ability to choose my attitude and perspective toward what was happening. And that's what we see Job do. We see Job choosing his perspective. God gave, God took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He chose a heavenly perspective. What perspective are you choosing? So the first thing we see in this passage is we have a choice about how we will view problems. I don't know how many of you have heard uh, about this guy. He was actually here in California. His name was Eli Maida. And uh, apparently, uh, as I read in the news several years back, he had a spider infestation in his house. And literally, all these spiders, how, how many of you guys, guys big spider fans, all right? If you love spiders? No, most of us not. We, we don't like the spiders. Apparently, he had a lot of spiders in his home, and he tried everything to get rid of them. And finally, at one point, it's a true story, it was in the news, at one point, he decided that the best way to get rid of his spider infestation was to use a blowtorch, a blowtorch, to try to kill them. This is a true story in the news. Uh, in the process of using this blowtorch, he literally set his house on fire. 
fire department had to come out. It was a mess. It was horrible. Uh, you know, I got this meme that I saw that was kind of around this. There was a spider. I panicked, but I think it's gone now, all right? <laughs> I, I, he got it. <laughs> Spiders are dead. You see, your response to problems, okay, Eli had a, he had a spider problem. <laughs> but how many of you think, you know what, his response to that problem kind of made things worse? <laughs> it's the same for us. Our response to problems can have huge, massive ramifications. In fact, oftentimes our response to problems make the situation far worse than the problem itself ever did. I'm going to say that again because this is really important. You've had some problems this year. You've had some difficulties. You've had some hardships. But I want to say to you that oftentimes... Your biggest problem is not the problem itself. It is the way you chose to respond to the problem that you experienced. Notice the way that Job chose to respond in this difficult situation. In fact, in the next chapter, after chapter 14, we see in chapters number 15, verse 13, he says this. Though he slay me. He's talking about God. Talking about Though he slay me. You see, God allowed this to happen. In his sovereignty, this was father filtered. Everything that Job went through through did not catch God by surprise and Job said though he slay me here's how I'm going to respond yet will I trust in him get what Job's saying here even though God allowed me to lose my business and all my finances And even though he allowed my marriage relationship to seem like fall apart and allowed my children to be be killed, and even though he allowed these horrible things to happen, he says, I'm going to choose, my response is to be to continue to trust. I'm going to trust that God is in control. I'm going to trust that he has a plan in all of this. I'm not going to stress out. I'm not going to worry I'm not going to become anxious. I'm going to come. My, I'm going to allow my heart to be in a place of surrender. I'm going to trust in him. Which brings us to our next thought this morning. First of all, we see we have a choice about how we will view our problems. That's number one. But based on this verse, we see, number two, we have a choice about how we will respond to our problems. So, so the first is a mental perspective. The second is a behavioral change. And these are both important. If you try to behave in a spiritual way without first having a spiritual perspective, it will never last. You've got to start with allowing his mind to be in you, to have that heavenly perspective. And once you have that mindset, then you can lean into expressing spirit-filled behaviors. But you have a choice about how you will respond to problems. So here's the question I want to ask you today. How are you responding to the difficulties that you faced in 2020? How did you respond to them? And if you struggled to respond in a way that glorified God, can, can I say this? And maybe you want to backtrack and say, did I, have, did I have a heavenly perspective? Was I seeing this thing the way God wanted me to see it? Was I viewing it through the lens of Scripture? So we see here in this passage, we have a choice about how we will respond to problems. I said it earlier, but I want to say it again. 
your problem isn't your biggest problem. That thing that you think is the biggest problem, the biggest challenge that you face this year isn't your biggest problem. Rather, your reaction to the problem is actually your biggest problem. This is, this is, this is just baseline. You say, no, I, I, my problems were pretty big. Yeah, but our reactions often make it far worse than it would have been if it were just the problem itself. I want to share with you a story. It's a true story. I saw this, and, and maybe some of you have come across this, but it, it's about a, a police officer who locked up an innocent man, and I want you to see the response of this man. Guys, I think you have that video. Why don't you cue it up here? It all, went down on, it all went down on this block in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Back in 05, Jamel McGee says he was minding his own business when a police officer accused him of and arrested him for dealing drugs. You're saying the officer made it up? Yeah, it was all made up. Of course, a lot of accused men make that claim, but not many arresting officers agree. So you phonied the report? I did. I falsified the report. This is former Benton Harbor police officer Andrew Collins. Were you just trying to chalk up an arrest? Yeah, basically, the start of that day, I was going to make another drug arrest. And in the end, you put an innocent guy in jail? Correct. You lost everything. I lost everything. My only goal was to seek him when I got home and to hurt him. Really? That was my goal. Eventually, that crooked cop was caught, served a year and a half for falsifying many police reports, planting drugs and stealing. Of course, Jamal was exonerated, but he still spent four years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. Today, both men are back here in Benton Harbor, which is a small town, maybe a little too small. Hey guys, thank you. Last year, by sheer coincidence, they both ended up at Mosaic, a faith-based employment agency where they now work side by side in the same cafe. Oh, excuse me. And it was in these cramped quarters that the bad cop and the wrongfully accused had no choice but to have it out. And I said, honestly, I have no explanation. All I can do is say I'm sorry. And Jamel says that was all it took. That was pretty much what I needed to hear. Today, they're not only cordial. It's Saturday, we went to the trampoline park. They're friends. Uh, you know, we talk about life. Close friends. Not long ago, Jamel actually told Andrew he loved him. And I just started weeping because he doesn't owe me that. Uh, he, I don't deserve that, you know? Did you forgive? For his sake or for yours? No, for our sake. Not just us, for our sake. Jamel went on to tell me about his Christian faith and his hope for a kinder <laughs> mankind. He wants to be an example. So now he and Andrew give speeches together about the importance of forgiveness and redemption. I'll grab this, we'll set it over there. And clearly, if these two guys from the coffee shop can see their bitter grounds, what's our excuse? Steve Hartman, on the road, in Benton Harbor, Michigan. Our biggest problems are not really our biggest problems. Our response to the problem 
is our biggest problem. I don't want to downplay any difficulty that anybody here in this room went through over the past 12 months. We're not here to make light of it. We're not here to say it wasn't a big deal. We live in a broken world. We live in a world filled with people who make mistakes. People who have hurt us. And sometimes it isn't the stranger that hurts us most, it's those that are closest to us. It's those people we would have called family. Those people we would have said were our closest friends. Those people who we thought, you know what, no, never, in a, never in a thousand years would that person do this. But more often than not, it's those closest to us that hurt us most deeply. But can I say this? What those people do, what they say, what they think, isn't actually our biggest issue. Our biggest issue is how we choose to view that situation. How we choose to frame that situation. How we choose to perceive it. And in our ability to choose how we will see the situation, then we get an opportunity to choose how we will then respond to that situation. Because just like Job had a choice on how he was going to view the problems that he went through, you and I also have a choice to choose how we will view what it is that we're going through. And beyond that, just like Job had a choice to choose how he would respond in his behavior and his actions to those difficult problems. So you and I also, by the Holy Spirit's power, have the opportunity to choose how we will respond to those issues, how we will respond to those situations, how we will respond to those people, how we will respond to those around us, even those who hurt us, who betrayed. It's our choice. I think, we, I think we've got this on the screen, and I want to read this. I, I, I wrote this out here, and I wanted to have you read it as well, because it just, as, as I've been thinking, this is one of the things that have come to my mind. Most of our reactions are not made by a conscious response to a current situation. This is going to get deep here for a second, so I'm going to need you to track with me, all right? This isn't, this isn't kindergarten stuff. Most of our reactions are not made by a conscious response to a current situation, but rather our reactions are created by old emotions and subconscious habit patterns that have been recycled and reinforced 
over the years. Let me just park it there for just a second. When we respond to something in our life, when there's this thing that happens to us or when somebody does something to us, we tend to think that our reaction is just kind of based on that moment. Most of the time, our reactions have been informed by a whole lot of old emotions, emotions that were planted in us when we were kids, when we were teenagers, earlier in life. And so we've got all these old emotions and we've got all these subconscious habit patterns and we just get used to responding to certain things in a certain way. So that's, that's where most of our reactions actually come from. Now, see the middle here. Whenever a situa- situation arises that is similar to the one that created those old emotions and habits in the first place. So when all of a sudden now another thing comes up that's kind of similar to the things that created those old emotions and those old habits, all right? Whenever a situation arises that is similar to the one that created those old emotions and habits in the first place, our current emotions and habits simply go into autoplay. And then just repeat them all over again. This is where most of our reactions come from. Both our mental reactions on how we perceive a problem as well as our habit patterns and how we respond. This is why consciously choosing our response to each and every situation is so vitally important. Because for most of us, Our responses, both mentally and in our behavior, are not like Job demonstrated. They weren't a conscious choice to perceive something in the most healthy way or respond with our actions in the most healthy way. We're just on autopilot. Those old emotions and those old habit patterns just kick in and autoplay, and we play it out again and again and again. And this is why, for most of us, the biggest problem is not what somebody did to us, The biggest problem is us. Those old emotions, those old habits, those old patterns that literally just get played out again and again and again and again. And the same way we responded as kids because of those emotions and because of those habits are the same way we respond as a teenager, is the same way we respond as a young adult, is the same way we respond today. And this is why Romans tells us, hey, be transformed, be changed. Here, why? By the renewing of your mind. You've got to change. You've got to stop. Like Viktor Frankl, we have a choice. We're more than animals. It's not just instinct. As human beings with a soul, we get to choose how we will perceive the situation, and we get to choose how we will respond to the situation. We have a choice about how we will view problems, but we also have a choice about how we will respond to problems. Back in ancient times, they would have stories about these alchemists. Supposedly, an alchemist was one who could take ordinary metals and turned them into gold. And whether or not that was a reality, the truth is it reminds us of something even more important, and that is our ability to alchemize situations through the power of the Holy Spirit. To take rusty, old situations and by the power of the Holy Spirit, through his grace working in and through us, alchemize that situation into something 
that can honor and glorify God and bring health to our future, to our future emotions, to our future relationships, to our future circumstances. You say, where does this alchemy come from? It comes from the ability of the Holy Spirit to say, you know what, I'm going to work in you so that you can perceive the situation you're going through, the problem that you're going through. Like Job, you're going to look at it differently than most people would look at it. That's your choice. But you also have a choice to respond differently because of the way that you are perceiving it. Go to Job chapter number 42. This is the very end. This is great. We get to Job chapter number 42, verse number 12. The Bible says this, So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life. Notice this, even more than in the beginning. Now he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camel, 1,000 teams of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters, verses number 13. Verses number 17, the Bible says, Then Job died, an old man who had lived a long, full life. That word full means abundant. How, how was it that Job could live a full and abundant life with everything that he had experienced, with all the trials that he had gone through, through all the difficulties that had risen? How was that even possible? Here's why. Because he made the choice about how he would view his problems. He, he was able to reframe them through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he made the choice on how he would respond. He wouldn't respond like those who did not know God. Because he viewed it different, he could respond to it different. Which leads us here to our theme. While suffering is inevitable, it's going to happen. You're in a broken world. You live among broken people. Suffering is inevitable. Problems are going to happen. Misery. Wallowing in that attitude of misery. That, my friend, is entirely optional. So here's the takeaway. When we, when we choose just to go into autopilot and allow those old emotions and those old habit patterns to control how we respond and view situations, you do, I promise you, you do that every single time, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. When you allow those old emotions, those old habit patterns, the flesh to control how you view the situation, when you allow the enemy to control how you respond to a situation, mark it down every single time, you're going to lose. So here's our takeaway. You're either going to choose or you're going to lose. Which is it going to be? Are you going to choose a transcendent perspective, a heavenly perspective? Are you going to choose a transcendent response, a heavenly response, a spirit-filled response? Are you going to choose or are you just going to go into autoplay? lose and just repeat the same cycle year in and year out year in and year out year in and year out just those pains and hurts from childhood and your adolescent years let them play over and over and over and over again until you die or are you going to say by the power of the Holy Spirit I'm going to choose to transcend those choose to allow God's grace to work in and through me to do what I just can't do 
on my own. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your grace. And while many of us experienced some challenges this past year, some with health, others in relationships, some financial, some mentally, emotionally, Lord, I pray that you would give us the grace, strength, and power to rise above those baser perspectives, those fleshly perspectives, those worldly perspectives, and may we get a glimpse of our problems like you, you, you allowed Job to do. May we get a perspective of them through heaven's eyes. And then through that, Lord, would you give us the ability, the power to respond in a way that doesn't even make sense. Much like we saw in the video a moment ago, as, as Christ was working in this man's life, he was able to forgive, he was able to respond in a way that would honor you. I pray that each of us, dear God, would respond in a way that would glorify you. We pray in Jesus' name.